Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are, whatever part of the day you're in. Sure to appreciate you joining me and giving me a little bit of your time. I know y'all have other things pulling at you different directions, so thank you. I will try and use it wisely. Hopefully it gives you some information. Hopefully it helps our country just a little bit. Homestead has stabilized a little bit, it seems like, temperature-wise anyway. Cool at night, although it's warming up during the days pretty nicely. Mm. But the cold is coming. And so we have things to do like firewood and repair fence, etc. I think that's about it. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for you, Father, and your Son, Jesus Christ, and your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your love and your forgiveness, your grace and your mercy. Thank you for the time to record this podcast and the people that listen to it. Be with them and their families. Guide them, bless them. Surround them with your angels. Protect them from evil of any kind. Help us to seek you first, Father. To love you with all that we are and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Strengthen our faith. Give us perseverance. Prepare us for whatever lies ahead. And help us to know that you'll be there with us through it all. And God, my words here today, Father, please. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. We're going to go back to this fireside chat from 1943 by FDR. After the Cairo conference, Mr. Churchill and I went by airplane to Tehran. There we met with Marshal Stalin. We talked with complete frankness on every conceivable subject connected with the winning of the war and the establishment of a durable peace after the war. Within three days of intense and consistently amicable discussions, we agreed on every point concerned with the launching of a gigantic attack upon Germany. The Russian army will continue its stern offensives on Germany's eastern front, Germany's eastern front, and the allied armies in Italy and Africa will bring relentless pressure on Germany from the south. And now the encirclement will be complete as America and British forces attack from other points of the compass. The commander selected to lead the combined attack from these other points is General Dwight D. Eisenhower. His performances in Africa, in Sicily, and in Italy have been brilliant. He knows by practical and successful experience the way to coordinate air, sea, and land power. All of these will be under his control. Lieutenant General Carl D. Spatz will command the entire American strategic bombing force operating against Germany. 
General Eisenhower gives up his command in the Mediterranean to a British officer whose name is being announced by Mr. Churchill. We now pledge that new commander that our powerful ground, sea, and air forces in the vital Mediterranean area will stand by his side until every objective in that bitter theater is attained. Both of these new commanders will have American and British subordinate commanders whose names will be announced in a few days. During the last two days at Tehran, Marshal Stalin, Mr. Churchill, and I looked ahead to the days and months and years that will follow Germany's defeat. We were united in determination that Germany must be stripped of her military might and be given no opportunity within the foreseeable future to regain that might. The United Nations have no intention to enslave the German people. We wish them to have a normal chance to develop in peace as useful and respectable members of the European family. But we most certainly emphasize that word, respectable, for we intend to rid them once and for all of Nazism and Prussian militarism and the fantastic and disastrous notion that they constitute the master race. Oh, this is, folks, this is a really super uncomfortable topic, and they're going to be more and more uncomfortable the closer we get to this fight. But if we end up in a civil war, and if by God's grace we manage to come through it on the other side with the United States reestablished as a Christian republic, You need to follow, you need to hear this statement by Eisenhower. We were united in determination that Germany must be stripped of her military might and be given no opportunity within the foreseeable future to regain that might. You have to be willing to make use of the victories you're given. And in the case of America, if we're able to shut the left down and keep them from destroying our nation. They have to be given no opportunity within the foreseeable future to regain the power and influence that they have had in education over our children, in culture. You can't... It's the same thing in the and, and the two civil wars that we've gone through in this nation already, the Revolutionary War, which was a civil war, and the, the war that we actually call a civil war, you don't want to enslave the opposition. You don't want to decimate them to the point that there's no hope and no recovery. That was a mistake that the Allies made at the end of World War One and how they treated Germany. But you want to make sure that they understand that the options are change your hearts and minds or leave and go somewhere else. That, that should be the option given for citizens who continue to cling to the left even through a civil war at the end of it. Change your hearts and minds be, as Roosevelt says here, respectable, develop in peace as useful and respectable members 
of our nation or leave. And, and you need to think about that some, folks, so that as we get into this, it's not brand new information. We did discuss international relationships from the point of view of big, broad objectives rather than details. But on the basis of what we did discuss, I can say even today that I do not think any insoluble differences will arise among Russia, Great Britain, and the United States. And there you see the fallacy of making those kind of forward statements. Of course, insoluble differences arose because Russia was a socialist communist nation that rejected God. And Churchill knew this long, long before Hitler and the Nazis became a menace. He was very concerned with socialism, communism, and he ended up working with them because he had to. He didn't have a choice, but he knew the danger, and the danger proved to be true. Stalin murdered tens of millions of his own people, just like Mao. The numbers are just they're hard to get your head around, the number of individual humans, breathing, caring humans that were slaughtered by their own leaders under socialism and communism. So we'll get back. Let me find my place again. In these conferences, we were concerned with basic principles, principles which involve the security and welfare and the standard of living of human beings in countries large and small. To use an American and somewhat ungrammatical colloquialism, I may say that I got along fine with Marshal Stalin. He is a man who combines a tremendous relentless determination with a stalwart good humor. I believe he is truly representative of the heart and soul of Russia, and I believe that we are going to get along very well with him and the Russian people, very well indeed. Britain, Russia, China, and the United States and their allies represent more than three-quarters of the total population of the earth. As long as these four nations with great military power stick together in determination to keep the peace, there will be no possibility of an aggressor nation arising to start another world war. But these four powers must be united with and cooperate with all the freedom-loving peoples of Europe, Asia, and Africa, and the Americas. The rights of every nation, large or small, must be respected and guarded as jealously as are the rights of every individual within our own republic. <laughs> Good Lord, folks. I can't help but say here how desperately, for those of y'all listening over in Britain, because I see some of y'all in the little statistics from time to time, how desperately we need Britain to pull their head out of the sand. Just like we do here, folks. It's not just Britain. It's, it's America. Uh, you can blame us more. But China and Russia were allies of convenience, if you will. They were allies of necessity. There's no possible way to ally with either of those two countries today. We need a strong Britain, a Britain that's not giving away part of her empire or, 
or weakening herself by de-arming. We need a strong partner. We need much more Britain of the 1800s than what we have today. And y'all have the ability to do it. And yeah, we need to pull our heads out of the sand as well. That's a kind way of saying it. The doctrine that the strong shall dominate the weak is the doctrine of our enemies, and we reject it. But at the same time, we are agreed that if force is necessary to keep international peace, international force will be applied for as long as it may be necessary. We act today, folks, like force is, is the worst or worst of all the different potential outcomes, and as we've talked about on here, it's not at all. Leftism, socialism, communism, fascism, Nazism, those, the godless evil that occurs in those governments, ideologies, nations that fall under them, that's the worst. That's far worse than force applied by good men. Far worse. I mean, unbelievably worse, folks. Like, that needs to get in your head. Like, that's that's exponentially worse than force executed by good men. It has been our steady policy, and it is certainly a common-sense policy, that the right of each nation to freedom must be measured by the willingness of that nation to fight for freedom. We need to hear that in America today, folks. Common sense, that's what FDR said, common sense. The right of each nation to freedom must be measured by the willingness of that nation to fight for freedom. We don't have a right to freedom, folks, if we're not going to fight for it. Here in America, in any country, but I'm talking about here in America, we don't have a right. We don't have a right to freedom. We certainly don't have a right to liberty if we're not willing to fight for it. None. And today we salute our unseen allies in occupied countries, the underground resistance groups, and the armies of liberation. They will provide potent forces against our enemies when the day of the counter-invasion comes. Through the development of science, the world has become so much smaller that we have had to discard the geographical yardsticks of the past. For instance, through our early history, the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans were believed to be walls of safety for the United States. Time and distance made it physically possible, for example, for us and for the other American republics to obtain and maintain our independence against infinitely stronger powers. Until recently, very few people, even military experts, thought that the day would ever come when we might have to defend our Pacific coast against Japanese threats of invasion. At the outbreak of the First World War, relatively few people thought that our ships and shipping would be menaced by German submarines on the high seas, or that the German militarists would ever attempt to dominate any nation outside of Central Europe. 
After the armistice of 1918, we thought and hoped that the militaristic philosophy of Germany had been crushed. And being full of the milk of human kindness, we spent the next 20 years disarming, while the Germans whined so pathetically that the other nations permitted them, and even helped them, to rearm. For too many years we have lived on the pious hopes that aggressor and warlike nations would learn and understand and carry out the doctrine of purely voluntary peace. That well-intentioned but ill-fated experiment of former years did not work. It is nay hope that we will not try them again. No, that is putting it too weakly. It is my intention to do all that I humanly can as President and Commander-in-Chief to see to it that these tragic mistakes shall not be made again. There have always been cheerful idiots in this country who believed that there would be no more war for us if everybody in America would only return into their homes and lock their front doors behind them. Assuming that their motives were of the highest, events have shown how unwilling they were to face the facts. <laughs> I kept reading, reading one more paragraph and one more paragraph here, folks, uh, because it's stuff we need to hear today. Useful idiots. That's uh, President Roosevelt's own words. If you think for one second that we can negotiate with communists, socialists, fascists, Nazis, leftists, inside America or outside, but inside right now in our own country, you've lost your mind. If you think, and, and you can add Muslims to that list too, if you think that we can negotiate with these people that have blatantly anti-American values and that they're just going to leave us alone if we'll just go home and lock our doors, you're out of your mind. You're living a pipe dream and it's going to cost us all. There's no way on God's green earth because experience shows us that that is foolhardy. That's what FDR was just talking about. A refusal to face the facts. Look at what has happened in Afghanistan with Muslims. We left and what happened? You immediately get the Taliban taking over again. Al-Qaeda. Groups like that. Hamas. You shut down Hamas and Gaza, you think that that's just going to magically stop all the problems? I mean, Israel has no choice. They've got to. But do you think it's going to stop the problems? No. China, the communists, you think they're ever going to stop trying to be the superpower in the world and destroy us of their own free will? No. The Germans didn't. Stalin, USSR, they didn't. Mao and the communists in China, they haven't. The socialists and communists that we have in South America, Central America, they haven't. And, and our own citizens, and this is where we're at today, folks, we can't be strong on the world stage if we're not strong at home. We can't help other people if we don't get our own house in order. And our house is in disorder right now because we have allowed and gone along with the left. You think the left is ever going to stop? And think about the people that you know in your own community, wherever you are across the world in the United States, East Coast, West Coast. I know y'all are listening all over the place now. You think about the people that you know. If they were going to stop encouraging, supporting, giving money and time and votes to the left, 
They would have. What is going to magically happen all of a sudden that's going to make those people that you know in your community stop voting the way that they've been voting? And maybe some of y'all have some answers to that question, and you they immediately come to the tip of your tongue. But let me tell you this. It hadn't changed it yet, folks. It hadn't changed it yet. Look at the elections across the country. Look at what's going on in our schools across the country. Look at what's going on in our communities. It hadn't changed. Nothing has stopped them yet. Lot, lot of wisdom and lessons to be learned when we go back and look at history. And you can see it just from this one fireside chat. God bless y'all. God bless your marriages. God bless your families. God bless America. We'll talk to y'all again real soon, folks. Looking forward to it.